Good evening. Thank you so much for coming. We will continue reading from Sri Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha in the 27th Anacheda. Finishing up this Anacheda, Sri Jiva Goswami says, Similarly, it is precisely due to the removal of diverse oppositions that Krishna affirms that in all the Vedas, the reality to be signified, Abhideyatva, the Abhideya of all the Vedas, culminates in the Supreme Brahman, known as Sri Krishna himself. Then Sri Jiva Goswami quotes from the uh, 11th canto uh, the following two verses spoken by Krishna himself to Uddhava. No one in the world besides me knows the heart, the inner mystery of the Veda. What it enjoins and prohibits in its karmakanda portion, what it reveals through mantras and aphorisms in its portion dealing with the worship of gods, and what it concludes after examining various alternatives in its janakanda division. It prescribes me alone in the form of ritual action, yajna, in its karmakanda. It reveals me alone in the form of the various devas in its upasanakanda. And it establishes me alone as the ultimate truth in its janakanda after setting forth and then denying various propositions. After submitting various propositions, now Jiva's speaking in his Anucheta, after submitting various propositions, Vikalpa, the reality, Vastu, that is established by denying all other options, is I, Sri Krishna, alone. So that finishes the 29th Anucheta. Jiva Goswami Swami continues with fortification of all that, Parivas Sutra, in four subdivisions in Anuchetas 30 through 74, fourfold army of Bhagavan's Parivas. So the first division is simply supportive statements. That's Anuchetas 30 through 43. The next division of his army is the establishment that Krishna is the primary subject that's discussed in all the major dialogues in the Bhagavat Purana. And then the third and fourth divisions, hermeneutics, satpraman, and sadlinga. So the third and fourth divisions, the third being hermeneutics, the interpretation, how different leelas are to be interpreted, what's what's to be what's the proper way to look at these various leelas. And that proper way will also point out the significance that Krishna is uh, Swayam Bhagavan. And then Satpurnam and Sadlinga through the various types of praman going all the way back to the Tattvas and Dharva, beginning with direct statements, Shruti, 
inference, experience. So he'll go through all of those and then he'll conclude this division of the Krishna Sandarbha with sadlinga, word meaning, how the word meaning in various verses will also point to Krishna being um, Swayam Bhagavan. Anucheta 30, the Bhagavat's emperor statements. Jiva Goswami writes in his 30th Anucheta, in this way the formal declaration Pratijna, Krishna, however, is Swayam Bhagavan, like a great heroic emperor, single-handedly overrules hundreds of opposing statements, assimilating them unto itself. Yet, just to augment the pleasure of the audience by a display of unique splendor, I will now cite other verses as well that are like the emperor's supporting fourfold army. First, in their prayers to Bhagavan Sri Krishna, the Devas speak of his agency in the matter of his Leela avatars. So, as we begin to go through these verses, you'll see that Jiva Goswami crafts his explanation in the Anuchedas around these verses, showing that these verses that he quotes from the Bhagavatam can only and always point to Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So as we listen to the verses, we should hear them in that light. And you'll see how that how how he pulls out that illumination that Krishna is actually what is being spoken of. So the first one is uh, prayers to Krishna in the womb of Devaki. Of course, Devaki is he Devaki is also Yasoda because Devaki is a name for Yasoda. That's why they were so close. So again, inner, you know, the context, inner meaning, how these things. If we, if you just to to read the Leela in the tenth canto, there's no indication there that Krishna was born simultaneously, simultaneously, to both Devaki and Yasoda. It's not, it's not indicated. It's not indicated that Krishna had. Well, Krishna was like almost uh, a twin with his sister in Yasoda, carried back to to Dwarka by Vasudev. So, I mean, all this, this is Gaudiya Siddhanta. Prayers of the demigods to Krishna in the womb. O Almighty Lord, Reverence unto you, just as in the past you have protected us as well as the three worlds through your three worlds through your avataric descents as a fish, a horse, a tortoise, a man lion, 
a boar, a swan, a kshatriya, a brahmana, and a deva. O best of the yadus, please now remove the burden of the earth. Of course, the avatar spoken of here in this verse are Matsya, Harigriva, Korma, Nishringa, Varaha, Hamsa, Sri Ram, Sri Parasaram, and Sri Vamana. And then Jiva concludes by saying, the meaning here is self-evident. The meaning being that Krishna is the avatari and these are his various avatars or expansions. In the commentary, a couple things of interest. Um, Generally, when we look at an army, we see four divisions. So that's why this analogy is there. Mm -hmm. Chaturanga is what those four divisions in an army are referred to. The chariots, one division. The elephants, the cavalry, and the infantry. The king goes into battle. The The whole setup is to protect the king or the foremost fighter. So all, everything is arranged with that objective and we see that objective put forth at the very beginning by Duryodhan in the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita when he said protect Bhishma, everybody. Everybody is to surround Bhishma in your, in your very various military formation because he was their foremost warrior. In a similar way, that's that's what Jiva's putting forth as a as his analogous to how he's going to support this Parivasutra Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So the first meaning, I mean, this first verse quoted of Krishna, the prayers of Krishna in the womb, it doesn't really overtly say Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. It just, in the way it's presented, Jiva's saying, you, can, you can't really arrive at a different conclusion in that all the other avatars are listed, and then the final avatar that's prayed to is Krishna. Now you make your advent. And we that was touched upon a little bit in the last Anucheta, wasn't it? That the last member in a... The Shringa, Rama, and Krishna, three are broadly said to be preeminent. The Shringa, Rama, and Krishna are complete in six opulences, Padma Purana. Moreover, among the three of them, the superiority of Krishna is implied by the rule of the increasing importance of the consecutive members of a set. Oh, yeah. So we could also see that in this verse given by the devas, that Krishna is the last one of the set to be mentioned. And before him, you have all the other avatars mentioned. That's that's actually a rule, Jiva says in in that 29th Anucheda. So going on to the 31st Anucheda, Krishna is the source of all. Similarly, Brahma prays to Krishna. This is from the 14th chapter of of the 10th canto. O Lord and Master, O source of all, Vidarta, although you are unborn, you appear among the devas, the seers, as well as among 
human beings, beasts, and even aquatics in order to curb the false pride of the wicked and to bless the virtuous. Jiva says again, the meaning is self-evident. And that word Vidartha is uh, the creator and the controller of the universe's evocative address. And it's generally applied to Brahma, it says in the commentary. In this verse, however, it refers to Krishna himself. And according to Sri Sanatana Goswami, it thus signifies he who is the source of all avatars. This is evident from the verse itself. Anacheta 32. Astrology signals Krishna as the source of all avatars. And Jiva quotes Gargamuni from the 10th canto. Your son has numerous names and forms befitting his attributes and deeds. I know them, but people in general do not. The meaning is clear. In the commentary, it points out that the way the verse is constructed by Gargamuni, it can also be taken to be that he himself doesn't know them all because of the wording of the verse. This also implies that Sri Krishna is the original form of Bhagavan being the source of all avatars. The negative particle, no, means not, can be applied both to Garga and the people in general by the principle of the lamp on the threshold of a doorway. The meaning would then be that, like people in general, Garga, too, does not know all the names and forms of Sri Krishna. He's giving an indication in his statement, Gargamuni is, that not everybody knows all these different forms of, the, of, your, of your son, Krishna. And not everybody includes me, <laughs> the way the verse Jiva points it out as showing that already. Anucheta 33, Krishna's avataric descents. The sons of Kuvera spoke in a similar manner to Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So what we're seeing here is Jiva is taking these various verses in regards to Krishna and showing that all of these verses bring out the fact that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. The way the demigods prayed to Krishna in the womb, the way the Brahmas spoken to Krishna after the Brahma Vimohan Leela, the way that Gargamuni spoke to Nanda Maharaj at the name-giving ceremony. And now the, Kuvera, um, the sons of Kuvera are speaking directly to Krishna. The, descend, the descents avatara into bodies of you who are devoid of a material body can be known through your various acts of prowess, which are unequaled and unsurpassed and impossible to be found in any embodied being. And Jiva points out in his explanation here, there's a play, play on words. The words are uh, Sari Reshu, Sari Ra, Vijaja, Sari Resha, 
taking a body or this material body and asari rina asari rina so those are those are words in the verse spoken by the sons of Kavera. so jiva explains as follows the expression into bodies of you who are devoid of a material body sari re swasari rina is a causative adjectival phrase hetu garva visesanam expressing the reason for this knowledge the capacity to recognize the avatars although you avatarically descend among embodied beings you yourself are not embodied from the perspective of the principle illustrated in the second the bhagavat sandarbha and acheta 51 in regards to shrimad bhagavatam 393 the primary meaning of the madap suffix in the word asari rina indicates the non possession of a body so he's saying now we've already discussed this back at the bhagavat purana if you want to go deeper well, let's go back there read that anucheta again i've kind of brought it out uh this understanding that the supreme lord although appearing in what appears to be a body is not really it's not a body like our body so you should know bhagavan does not have a material form his form is sent percent spiritual is irrelevant here indicating the non possessive of a body is irrelevant here because of the absence in him of any distinction of body and embodied unlike the case with ordinary living beings in whom such a distinction does apply so this krishna is addressed by the sons of kuvera as asari ri asari ri which literally means without a body so they're but he's standing right in front of them and they're praying directly to him so the points quite profound they're saying oh you who don't have a body but i'm praying to you and you're standing right in front of me as a young child with a mortar tried tied around your waist <laughs> oh you who don't have a body so the the main point is just that that the lord's body is not matter as is in the conventional meaning of the word conventional meaning uh, can't be applied to him then there's a lot in here about the use of a negative in a compound or the negation of a compound a sari va and it's the thick sanskrit understand this in that context and that in this context but i'll go to the conclusion of the commentary here which says in other words <laughs> it does not den- not deny altogether the possibility of the possession of a body but excludes 
only the possession of a phenomenal body or the conventional relation of body and embodied. If any of you want to study the commentary to understand the exact word usage by the sons of Kuvera, what is that, Nala Kuvera and Mani Griva? Uh, I'll be glad to send you that commentary. Then he does say that this na, not na sari ra, no body. He concludes by saying, na can have six different meanings as stated in the following verse. There are six meanings to the negative particle, none, namely, similarly to the object in question, non-existence, difference, diminution, I'm, yeah, diminution, nution, I'm sorry, impropriety and opposition. In the compound, asari rina, it is the third meaning, which is difference, that is applicable. Anucheta 34, Krishna accepts forms as a matter of lila. Moreover, Nagnajit prayed to Sri Krishna. How may that Bhagavan be pleased with me? He, the dust of whose lotus feet Lakshmi, Brahma, and Shiva, along with the guardians of the universe, reverentially hold upon their heads at appropriate times, he assumes various forms as a matter of divine play, Leela, to protect the principles of Dharma. He himself enacts. Again, Jiva says, the meaning is self-evident. Read through the commentary. Uh, Nagnajit's daughter was married to Krishna. In the above verse, the clause, at appropriate times, he assumes various forms as a matter of divine play, Leela, protect the principles of Dharma, he himself enacts, implies that Sri Krishna is the original supreme person who appears in different avatars. This is also confirmed by Krishna's own words in the Bhagavad Gita. Two verses from the Gita, fourth chapter, seven and eight, yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata bhutanam dharmasya tadatmadam srijamyaham Whenever there's a decline in religiosity, uh, I advent myself and paritrudaya sadhunam vinasaya chagdiskritam dharma narthaya sambhavami yuge yuge. I manifest in every yuga for the protection of the various virtuous, the eradication of the unvirtuous, and the establishment of dharma. Anucheta 35. Narda affirms Krishna as the source of all avatars. Sri Narda also said, I bow, down, I bow down to Bhagavan Sri Krishna, whose intellect is ever unthwarted and who manifests exquisite avatars for the release of all living beings from material existence. Jiva goes on quoting Swamipad, also comments, Swami Pod here, of course, is Sridhar Swami, the great commentary, commentator on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So he says, Swami Pod comments as follows. In this verse, Sri Narada glorifies 
Narayan as an avatar of Sri Krishna on the basis of the statement all these avatars are either portions, amsa, or partial expansions, kala, of the Purusha. Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself. Can, of course, that's the main verse. And then Jiva Goswami continues. Therefore, since Narada offered his this prayer to Krishna himself, after hearing the personified Shruti's eulogy of Narayan, it is to be concluded that Sri Krishna is the sole object of praise even in the prayers of the personified Shrutis. This very fact is made clear by the Shrutis themselves in verses such as 1087.23 wherein they proclaim Krishna's extraordinary characteristic of awarding liberation even to his enemies. The meaning is clear. So I think we'll go through a little of this commentary. It's very uh, significant to bring out the context because everything's context here and to see how one would could possibly look at the context of this statement by Narada Muni and say, well, why is he why is he why is he even bringing bringing Krishna into this? And Jiva say there's only one reason in the context of what where the statement's spoken, the circumstance that he could say Krishna. That is because Krishna Swayam Bhagavan, because otherwise the statement just would not fit. So. Commentaries reads as follows. In the 87th chapter of the 10th canto, King Parichit posed a question to Sukadev Goswami. How can the Shrutis or the Vedas, which are concerned with the three gunas, describe Brahman, which is devoid of the three gunas, ineffable and beyond cause and effect? This is Maharaja's, Maharaja's Parichit, this Parikshit's question to Sukadev Goswami. How can the Vedas, which are primarily, as even Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, what's the primary thrust of, thrust of the Vedic knowledge? How to the Karmakanda? How to how to how to get along in the world? The three modes. How, so. Maharaj Prick said, says, well, if, you know, I know this. We all know from what Krishna said to Arjuna that the purpose of the Vedas is, is basically this. So how can the Vedas explain the nature of Brahman since that's not their primary subject matter? So it's a, it's a significant question by Maharaj Prick. In response to this question, Sukadev recounted the story of a meeting between Narada Muni and the sage Narayan, to whom Narada had asked the same question. Narayan Rishi responded by repeating the answer given to this question by the sage Sanandana, who in turn recited the prayers of the Shrutis personified. So, talk about 
quoting from authority. You know, we have one authority quoting, answering a question by recalling a the same exact question asked by Narada Muni and responded to by Narayan, Narayan Rishi, uh, Narayan Rishi, and he responded not with a response of his own, by, but by quoting um, the answer given to a similar question by the sage Sanandana of the four Kumaras, who in turn recited the prayers of the Shrutis personified. These prayers were uttered at the onset of a new creation cycle to awaken Paramatma. Time to get up and, and make another, manifest the universes again. Narayan, who was responding, reposing in the sleep of supraconscious being, Yoganidra, after the dissolution of the cosmos. The principal verse of this Anucheta was spoken spoken by Narda after hearing these prayers. In this verse, although Narda was directly in the presence of the sage Narayan, now he's, he's right there with Narayan Rishi, from whom he had heard the reply to his question, he prays instead to Sri Krishna. whom he identifies as Bhagavan. Narada recognized, that, recognized the sage Narayana as one among Krishna's many avatars. So he's basically using him as a transparent by media. And he's praying to Krishna because Krishna is the source of Narayan. Among the Shruti's prayers, Although the Shruti's prayers were directed to Narayan, the Paramatma, and not to Narayana, the sage. That's the prayers were trying to wake up, I would assume, Mahavishnu, who was lying in sleep. So they're praying to him to wake up and let's do another creation. Um, Narada concludes the chapter by praying to Krishna, who is the source of all avatars. In other words, he understood that the Shruti's prayers were in fact aimed at Krishna and not Narayan. So Narada, through his, he understands that really the Shruti's were praying, although they were praying to the form of Narayan, their prayer was to Krishna, to directly to Krishna, and also Narada is he's in the presence of Narayan Rishi, and he's praying to Krishna. So he's seeing that this is the the intent of the prayers of the the Shrutis, scripture, to wake up Narayan for a universal 
creation and also his prayer to Narayan. The conclusion is supported by verse 10.87.23 wherein the Shruti specify the ultimate truth as he who awards liberation to the enemies that he kills. So there's the key that opens up the mystery of how Narda can arrive at that conclusion that truly the Shruti's prayers as evidenced from the 87th chapter when they're they're praying um, saying these prayers in there they they say they give that that key element because you grant liberation even to your enemies well there's only one manifestation of the supreme lord who grant who has the capacity to grant such liberation even to his enemies and that's bhagavan sri krishna this unique quality is found only in krishna and not in any other avatar as discussed in Anucheta 29. As such, he alone is the reality to whom the Shruti's prayers are directed. The full verse cited from the Shruti Stuti is as follows. And then that prayer is quoted. Simply by remembrance of you, out of fear or malice, even your enemies attain the same truth that the sages contemplate within their hearts while regulating their vital breath, mind, and senses through resolute engagement in yoga. The women of Raj, whose minds are firmly fixed upon your stout serpentine arms, and we too, who share the same internal disposition as them, and who are intent upon the nectar of your lotus feet are equal in your eyes. Who is saying that? That's the Shrutis. So their aspiration, you can see, is also that of following the, in the footsteps of the Gopis, the women of Vraj. And, I mean, the, the final little concluding note there, are equal in your eyes the gopis and the people that hold malice towards you who you could gain these are equal that's krishna's equanimity now we won't go into the bhava aspect of it we're talking about the the simple ontological fact that krishna is truly equal to everyone but he reciprocates according to how one worships him, how one loves him. But the granting of liberation, even to an enemy, shows his true equanimity. So we'll continue next class with the 36th Anucheta. Well, we have finished. We have five minutes. We'll read it. 
Krishna is the source of the Guna avatars. Sri Sukha speaks of Sri Krishna's agency in regard to the Guna avatars. Being questioned in this way by Uddhava, whose mind was exceedingly attracted to him, Sri Krishna, the supreme ruler of all rulers, who plays with the cosmos like a toy, and who has assumed the three forms of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva through his potencies, replied with an enchanting, loving smile. The meaning is self-evident. In this regard, verse 10.14.19, which was cited earlier, Nanacheta Bhagavat, Nanacheta 37, should also be considered. You are the Supreme Self, to those ignorant of your true position, you yourself expand your maya and appear within the non-self, within inert matter. As me, Brahma, for creation of the universe, as this Vishnu, for its maintenance, and as the three-eyed Vishnu to bring, I'm sure, as three-eyed Shiva to bring about its end. So through all these verses, Jiva's making his point as to the position of Krishna truly being what's the, the subject of all these different verses spoken by all these different individuals in different circumstances. All the verses, although may, maybe they're directly mentioning Krishna or maybe they're not, Still, they're all pointing to Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan and fortifying the, the Parivas Sutra as one of the flanks of the Parivas Sutra's army, fourfold army. Any questions? Okay. So he doesn't attain liberation. He took birth again. So, so it was actually Lord Chaitanya then that was the ultimate liberator. Well, but that's a hidden pastime. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to, if we want to attribute, you know, a fourth incarnation. Yes if you want to attribute a fourth, but that's not the Leela narrative coming from the Bhagavatam. That's a special hidden Leela within Chaitanya. So that's even more secret that they they were given the opportunity to also participate in in the Leela of, of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But they were truly liberated as Sisupal and Dantavakra. <coughs> by Krishna himself, who is the only person who can liberate the demons.
So that's that's the Leela narrative, and that's the the narrative that is utilized as an example of Krishna's position by Jiva Goswami. We will not find in Jiva Goswami's writings reference to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Siddharvas, mm -hmm. specifically for the reason that it's enough to get his audience to accept the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism as presented by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to also get his audience to accept Sri Chaitanya as Krishna himself that's that's that would really be pushing the envelope so to speak so he doesn't do that in this presentation of the Sandarbhas okay. thank you so much for your session.